never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that knows not only do you not put snakes on a plane, you also don't put alligators in an elevator. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. <laughs> Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. What's up, man? Here. <laughs> What's up? Um, how was your Halloween? Oh, it was great. Um, I actually have, like, some stored up uh, vacation time, or I had some stored up vacation time uh, this year at work that I hadn't used. So I took a couple extra days to have, like, a long Halloween weekend, which was pretty great. Um, we tried to do as many, like, fast festivities as we could and stuff. Like, we made time to uh, go to a haunted house and stuff like that. But mainly, I actually spent a lot of my time finishing up some last-minute Halloween costumes. <laughs> so that was pretty great. Um, I, uh, my family, like me and my son and my wife, put together some uh, Ghostbusters costumes. I don't know if you've seen pictures, Drew. I, but, uh, um, I saw... I saw on your wife's Instagram there was a picture of you guys and the Ghostbuster stuff. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and, and same thing with uh, the Jay and Silent Bob. Awesome. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. So, so we also were Jay and Silent Bob for a um, a uh, friend's party that we attended last weekend as well. So uh, just to uh, just fill in gaps. Um, so my son was a uh, he was just a Ghostbuster and he kind of had the standard Ghostbuster costume. And then uh, my wife was the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, mm -hmm. which she put together a pretty awesome version of it. But it was kind of one of those like look like a normal outfit sort of costumes and it kind of looked store bought but it was homemade which is pretty great and i was slimer which consisted of a green sweatshirt and like this ridiculous paper mache mask that i put together but <laughs> i was pretty satisfied with it and then um yeah my wife and i went to a uh party dressed as jay and silent bob and uh that was another thing those those were costumes we had to put together by uh thrift shopping like last minute it but everything like came together in the nick of time like it's one of those things where i had a uh i bought a coat at a garage sale like five years ago that looked like it would be the perfect j coat from jay and silent bob you know it's that yellow ski coat and i bought it and i haven't used it yet and then we decided to do this uh jay and silent bob costume so my wife was jay so she had that coat and then we had to go out and find the rest of the pieces of the, of the costume, which was pretty fun. But I got really lucky because I it was like the second thrift shop we went to. I found like the perfect, like long silent Bob trench coat to use. And I feel like you never right. see that nowadays. So it's like this is awesome. Everything came together like clutch just in time. So I was super stoked. Jay and Silent Bob for me has like been a dream cosplay for a long time. So I'm glad I've, I've been able to actually do it at some point. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was my Halloween. How about you? 
Well, I uh, pulled off uh, Kevin Feige like to the T, and nobody knew who I was, <laughs> <laughs> which is all right because I was comfortable all night, and that didn't matter. <laughs> was there really not one person who knew it though? No, and I have uh, my buddy Travis who was on the show a while back. He's yeah. like a film guy like us. And I'm yeah. literally like, he's going to be the one guy at the party that's going to know. And he yeah. was to me, he's like, I don't, he's like, I'm not sure if I get this. <laughs> <laughs> and then I told him and he's like, oh, like kind of like, oh yeah, okay. I should have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Um, he's not like yeah. a, he's not a director though. I was, I was thinking like, if you could carry around like a director's chairs, like some prop just to like give further hints, but I don't really know with Kevin Feige, like. I don't think there's really any accessories besides like the blazer and the hat and all that. You right, know what I mean? Exactly. Like I just, yeah, I, I, I nailed it to the T and I came walking out of the bedroom, like nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, that's awesome. Um, so, so there, there is merit to being the guy at the party or the convention that nobody knows their costume. So I'll just leave that there. Like it's kind of fun. Well, at, yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I wonder how it would go over if I did that at Comic-Con. Oh, everybody. I think. Do you know what I mean? Like, what if I showed up the Comic-Con dress that way? (laughs) You know, there is a level of a lot of people would know it or a lot of people would not be sure. You know, like they'd be like, I think he's Kevin Feige, but he might just be a regular guy who dresses that way. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, But yeah. All right. So, yeah, I don't know. I got to figure out next Halloween's Christmas, but next Halloween's Christmas. Next Halloween's costume and uh, actually put <laughs> some serious time into it because uh, my kid went to his junior high Halloween dance. Yeah. And there is some kid that showed up. Now, my kid went as Spider-Man and it was a pretty decent quality, like Tom Holland looking Spider-Man costume. I was actually pretty. And like a lot of those are basically the skin tight costumes you see. But the mask is what really got my attention. I'm like, this is a quality Spider-Man mask for a costume like this yeah um, so he went like that but there was a kid who went to the who, who went to the junior high dance as an atst from star wars <laughs> and it was like the full box everything was like mounted so the legs that move it around were attached to his legs and he was dressed yeah in black so i love that walk around properly and then like if he sat down his head would pop up the little like door at the top <laughs> That's so cool. It was just really, it was just so well put together. So that reminds me of, I don't, I know we're like kind of going long on the intro, but it just reminds me of the one time I went to a convention with a friend and it was like his first time having the comic convention experience. And his mind was just blown by not just the merch and just everything that was there, but also just like the crazy levels of cosplay (laughs) that we were seeing. And I remember at one point seeing a family that was all, cosplaying as uh, different Star Wars characters and uh, you know it's like mother father you know a couple kids and there's like their youngest daughter was dressed <laughs> as like uh, one of the uh, rebels on Hoth riding a Tauntaun <laughs> and it was one of those costumes where you know like right. the the soldier's legs were on the side but then the girl's actual legs were like the legs of the Tauntaun and it looked so legit like it looked so believable like this little girl's actually riding a tauntaun and my friend's mind was already blown but i remember passing that group and my friend turning to me and being like is that real (laughs) 
<laughs> it was just the funniest sure. reaction. But uh, yeah, anyways. Um, well, anyway, let's jump into things because we got a bunch of news to cover. Um, so what are we watching? What are we reading? It was Halloween weekend. Sounds like you were busy. Did you get a chance to watch anything scary? Um, not as much as I'd like, um, but that's okay. Cause I feel like I'm already, I'm already one of those people who's already getting into Christmas mode. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty fun. I sure. did get the chance to watch one thing and that's, uh, we actually finally got to see Black Adam. Uh, yeah, okay. so we went to the, yeah, we went to the movie last night, which we're recording on a Thursday and typically when you see a movie late, it's better to go Tuesday because they have like, usually theaters have deals on those days, but we went on a Wednesday which was awesome because we were literally it was like me and my wife and my son were the only people in the theater. It was great. And like the entire movie theater in general, like the the entire building was just pretty vacant and like it was just pretty awesome. But I thought this movie was great. Like I had a lot of fun. Um, Drew, I do see what you're, you're saying about how most of the movie is it's like nonstop action and there's breaks here and there. but it is nonstop action, but what I really appreciated about it, besides like but some of your feel kind of, like one giant fight scene from beginning <laughs> to end, like there was no downtime. So it, it did. But because you said that, I was paying attention to it and I was noticing more that there was, you know, oh, certain okay. moments in between the fight scenes. But I do feel like the movie is like probably 70 percent action 30 percent dialogue or some ridiculous ratio you know which was sure. pretty cool but uh yeah besides some of the stuff you were saying about the special effects where like um you know they did use a lot of like there was a lot of practical uh set work and stuff that i think does help with the believability of everything like it didn't feel like it was just this full cgi green screen fest like uh maybe like thor love and thunder felt like and stuff like that but yep. what i really appreciated about this because i don't think this is the best comic book movie ever i don't think it's the best dc movie ever i think it's up there i think it's like upper mid tier is kind yeah, of where this I, movie I think sits it's step in the right direction from where everything got. yeah yeah exactly yeah. and i think what i loved about it is it really felt like it felt like a comic book movie like it felt so much like i feel like this you could have taken the same plot the same characters played out everything the same way and released it as an animated dc film and it would have worked. And that's kind of what yeah. I loved about it is it really felt like it was really in tune with just like the DC comic book universe. And I just I thought that was pretty great. So, again, not the greatest movie, but I was overall pretty satisfied. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> as far as specifics, I don't know if I want to go like too crazy into detail because I know you kind of reviewed it last week, but I don't know if you have any other thoughts about the movie or any spoilers well, that you, you couldn't get how into. How did you feel about the big reveal at the end? Uh, it was interesting. Um, my biggest question was you have Amanda Waller who comes in, you know, a drone shows up and starts talking and she's like kind of a hologram that starts talking to Black Adam, like a hologram yeah. projected by the drone. And then she's kind of making it sound like she's going to be able to pull in Superman, like kind of on her side to go against him. But then Superman shows up. And that was my big question is like, is Superman wanting to team up with Black Adam or is he against him? And that was kind of the big question that I had on that at the end of sure. that. I don't know what your thoughts were, but yeah. <laughs> 
You know, I have the same questions, but it's also one of those things where this is feels like the dawn of something new in the realm of, of this side of the world. So let's see how it plays out at the same yeah. time and not speculate too much because I feel like speculation will cause us to get frustrated when our dreams aren't <laughs> brought to fruition. We have uh, Henry Cavill Superman coming back, back though so that's uh yeah, exactly. that's at least one dream that came true um exactly. i did see i did see online people were saying that he was and i don't know if it was just for a promo shoot but i think it was for that actual cameo he was wearing the man of steel superman suit yeah, i might was. be wrong no he actually talked about directly where he chose that one specific because he felt it was right to wear it in that one right um and mm-hmm. that one's the most special one to him um yeah so. and one thing I noticed is when you watch that scene, how vibrant the colors are on that suit. And like, I don't know. I just think I think it's pretty cool that um, I don't know. I, I feel like it's showing that that scene specifically. I feel like it showed that you take the Man of Steel suit where one of the biggest complaints about Man of Steel was how muted all the colors were. But you can see how in the right lightning that suit can really shine and it's really vibrant and stuff. And so I thought that was a pretty pretty neat little uh, detail sure. there sure and i agree with you there i i thought the suit looked great after yeah. for a really long time so yeah <laughs> um did you watch anything else uh that's pretty much it for me to be honest okay <laughs> how about so, you i have a couple things first off my kid who um he's wanted to start watching stranger things a while back he wasn't doing very well with the scary yeah uh, but I think he's become a little desensitized to the scary, specifically with this show. So he is full bore. Like I'm walking in the door and he's like Stranger Things time. Like, yeah. (laughs) So I'm having fun watching the show with him right now, which is great because he's getting excited and I'm looking over and watching him when I know certain things are coming. So that's been a lot. Um, I do think, I do think Stranger Things, like some of the rewatchability of that, that show is like very rewatchable as opposed to like, you know other similar shows and stuff so yeah. that's awesome um i watched i finally watched scream the new one. Oh, um, awesome i was like it's halloween i'm watching something scary i've never seen <laughs> this this has been on the list of stuff to do i finally watched it um all right so here's my review um i thought it was fantastic i thought it was a good return i loved the idea of how how they like harkened back to the original. It was like they ultimately remade the original movie in a way, but made it feel like it's interesting because they have the movie conversation where they talk about the requel yeah. um, in the movie. And they're just like, it's not, it's not a remake of the original. It's basically a sequel, but we're going all the way back to the past to include legacy characters. And I'm like, a la star Wars and Jurassic park. And, like, and my brain yeah. is like firing all these cylinders. Like, yeah, that's a thing. Um, so I loved that part. Um, I loved that it, you know, when you find, and I'm going to spoil the crap out of the movie, the opening of the movie is almost identical to the original opening. Um, in the same sense that like, you know, when Drew Barrymore, like probably should have won an Oscar for that opening sequence in Scream. Um, it was like, you know, Olivia Ortega was fantastic. She was just, it was awesome. Yeah. And then cut to the end of the movie when they find out they're in Stumacher's house. And I remember watching a sequence going, this is way too familiar. And then they (laughs) mentioned it was Stumacher's house. And then my brain started looking around the background as opposed to keeping an eye on the foreground. And I was spotting certain things that I remember from the original movie. (laughs) Yes. 
terms of like the set. So it was great. I had a lot of fun watching. It was awesome. Um, uh, aside from a really bad day to night transition, ultimately I thought the movie was great. <laughs> that now I got to pay attention to that, but I feel like that there's so many movies that are guilty. Well, it was of it was that. the issue. Of, it was like uh, Sydney and Dewey get in the car and are gonna go help the kids, and it's daytime. And then they cut to what the kids are doing. And when they cut back to Sydney and Dewey, it's nighttime. <laughs> I hear you. And you're just like, you're just like, no, <laughs> but all right. It's like, I know, I know traffic's bad on the West coast, but I don't think it's that bad. So. Um, um, there was, there was one moment that I just thought was like one of the most beautiful scream moments. And I remember specifically not mentioning this when I saw the movie, cause I just didn't sure. want to spoil it, but there's the girl and I can't remember her name, but she's on the couch watching there's it's gets super meta. Cause I think she's watching Halloween. I want to say, and it really mimics um, when uh, Jamie yeah, Kennedy's it's... character is watching Halloween and she's like talking about a character being killed in the original scream movie while oh. watching that. But then she is about to get killed at the same time. Yeah. Does that sound right? <laughs> yes. It, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> but it was one of those beautiful, like one of those beautiful scream moments where there's like three or four layer layers of meta ridiculousness going on that I just really uh, appreciated. I also loved how um, you have the opening scene with um, I, I don't know the actress's name, but uh, it's Olivia Ortega. Okay. Okay. Yeah. She's, Olivia she is, by the way, she is Wednesday in the new Wednesday series. Yep. Yeah, um, she so she's in the opening scene, like that cold open that like yeah. she's the one who the uh, killer is tormenting in the first scene. But correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first Scream movie where she comes back and she's one of the main characters throughout the film. Like usually that opening scene is just a character gets killed off and then it moves on to the next people. So I thought that was a cool touch. But um, yeah, and then the other thing is just like commenting on the whole like requel conversation i still prefer to call it a c-boot myself but um i love that scream i what's that i'm just laughing at that oh. yeah i love that uh scream is forever going to be relevant because every time a new movie comes out they can always just comment on the state of horror and the state of movies at the time like we were just talking about like they had this the requel conversation in this movie but they also talked a, a lot about how elevated horror like the babadook or like yeah. hereditary and stuff like that's a big thing now and scream doesn't necessarily fit into that but they can still have that conversation and it's really cool how well i think this series is aging because of that meta aspect to everything so right. um i'm glad you enjoyed it though yeah no i had a lot of fun with it um and then the other thing is I read, um, I finished reading Batman Curse of the White Knight, um, which is a comic series. This um, this is under the DC Black label, if you will. Um, this book surprised the crap out of me. Um, I'd been reading like reviews <laughs> and like just stuff, but I'm going to tell you, if you want a good, this is a good, really good, just pick it up and read it. You don't need to know... As long as you know basic Batman mythology or basic Batman lore, you're good to go. Nice. And just enjoy it for what it is. Um, it it was so much fun. 
Um, Harley Quinn's like pregnant with the Joker's bait with the Joker's twins. Um, Azrael is running around. He's got a new Batman suit trying to take down the Batman. There's this thing about the past that like you're de- you're digging into like some history details like when Gotham City was formed that is part of the conspiracy and it's secret the Joker is holding on to that he found out about about the formation of Gotham and it's it was such a fun ride and it's great because like they pulled from all over the place so like the tumbler from the Dark Knights in it the Michael Keaton Batmobiles in it the uh the Azrael Batman suit from Batman Nightfalls in it like they they pulled from all these different areas to create this like cool story and it was just pure joy reading through it so um, awesome yeah curse of the white knight check it out it's fantastic um and uh so yeah that's about it um you and i watched two trailers before uh we sat down tonight so what yeah. did you think of the new avatar trailer you know it was an avatar trailer yeah <laughs> right <laughs> I'm kind of just ready to see the movie. Um, right. I don't think this trailer swayed me either way. I guess it did show a lot more like character development this time, but I just kept really my biggest takeaway, and this is kind of bad, but my biggest takeaway is like, I don't feel like this trailer is showing me visually anything that sticks out from the original Avatar movie. And I aside feel like that's being, kind of... Aside from being a little longer. Right, but I guess I'm right. just thinking, like, imagery-wise and spectacle-wise, I feel like I'm not getting a lot that's new, and I feel like I'm still going to see the movie, I'm looking forward to it, but that's just something my major thought is, like, you know, if we're going to have, like, seven of these movies or whatever James Cameron wants to do, like, how are we going to mix it up, how are you going to make it bigger and better each time, because right now I kind of feel like it's looking pretty similar to the first <laughs> movie, but I don't know. I don't want to be too negative. What were your thoughts? on? No, I was that literally, you almost, you literally spelled it out. Oh, okay. Uh, fair enough. Like that's, I, I watched the trailer and I was like, all right, it's clearly like some underwater chick that has connections. It's probably Sigourney Weaver's character. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like Sigourney Weaver. Um, does it have connection to her avatar from the first film? Maybe I'm not a hundred percent sure, but that's a kind of inclination I got. Um, there's something going on with the oceans on Pandora. Um, it's taking effect on thing. There's a lot of new cool creatures. All right. A lot of cool, like the underwater sequences look amazing and they probably look even more stunning in 3d. Right. Oh yeah, I'm sure. So, um, I'm going to be in the seat for it, but this trailer did not make me go, Ooh, I have to see it now. Or, Ooh, this is a must. It yeah. still left me in the same sense of feeling. And I know that sounds bad. It's just the same sense of, all right, that's avatar. Let's, let's go. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. I just need to see it at this point. So I'm, <laughs> I hear it. The one thing, the, the one aspect with something going on with the water and the oceans on Pandora and uh, like the one character who feels like he's like in tune with like the pulse of the planet and stuff that actually did seem pretty interesting. But I still just don't know if it's enough to like raise my excitement level more than it already has been. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Uh, the other one is A Christmas Story Christmas. Did you watch this trailer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I did. What do you think of this? Um, surprisingly, I think this looks pretty cool. Um, the same. It's surpri- <laughs> it looks just cool, man. It's one of your rundown because I've I have I have a deeper review. So go ahead. 
Okay. Um, so man, so it's, it's one of those things where we know, so there's a Christmas story and we know there's also a sequel movie to a Christmas story that I don't know if it did as well, but it's definitely not like most people don't even know about it or think about it. And, but because that movie exists, I don't know if I think that the original movie is like this sacred thing that you can't do another sequel for, you know, it's, it's not like, if anybody's ruined the franchise, like the, the sequel that's already out there probably already did that. And I'm saying ruining the franchise in quotes. Like, I don't think this movie is going to ruin anybody's childhood is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> and I sure. went in and it kind of just looked like if you take the original movie and you make a continuation of it, like 30 years later or however long later this is supposed to be, it that's just what it looked like. But it seems like you're just picking up on Ralphie's life when he's older and when he has a family of his own and you're seeing a lot of familiar faces. Like, I feel like his friends are the same actors as like the childhood ones. And I'm not sure about that, but that's what it looked like to me. Like I haven't researched it. I'm just basing it off the trailer, but it's one of those things where it feels like they at least have the heart of the original one intact with the direction they're going with this with this new movie my one the one thing like my one gripe or my one concern i guess is i just am worried that this new movie is not gonna be as funny as the original and i don't know if the writing's gonna be just as smart or as witty and humorous as the original movie was and that's my big concern is like it looks like everything's in place that this is going to be really good. I'm just concerned that it's not going to have, like it's not going to be written as well. And it's just not going to be as good in that way. So um, yeah, that's kind of my main thoughts on this one. So, all right. So this is where I'm going to go a little deeper on you and I'm glad you kind of ended your review of the trailer there. First off, I think the trailer looks like a ton of fun. Um, Yes, it looks like they literally got back at least Ralphie Flick and then um, Schwartz. Yeah, uh, it looks yeah, like exactly, they got exactly. them. It looks like they got them all back. Um, and I don't know, like you, I can't tell if his brother's in the movie or not. And then um, that's clearly a different mom, which is fine um, because those actors are probably no longer alive. And I actually don't know the answer to that question. I actually um, thought the mom looked really similar, though. I, I actually really thought it similar. was the same. It's just, not the, it's just not the original mom. Okay, uh, fair enough. <laughs> the, uh, the the trailer. All right, so let me put it this way: the the movie A Christmas Story is written is based on the novel In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash by the author Gene Shepard. Gene Shepard is the voice that does the narration in the original movie. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the narration comes from the novel that the movie's based off of. Now, yeah. the movie, In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash, the Christmas story part of that novel is 20 pages of a 200-plus page book. So they vastly stretched the original movie to encompass this novel didn't even tackle it in the original novel. And now if you've seen the trailer, you're going to hit you, you're going to, you're going to listen to what I'm about to say and go, Oh, I got it in the, in the original novel, the book opens with Ralphie as an adult coming back home 
to see the parents and family and, you know, see some old friends and finds out that I, I want to say flick, I'm not 100 percent sure, is working at a bar as a bartender, stops in to see him and have a drink. And then he meets up with his other friend and they start reminiscing about the past. Mm-hmm. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. This look based on the vision, based on the visual in the trailer, this looks like someone was really paying attention to the novel to try and create a sequel and maybe incorporate other stuff from the novel to create this story and probably bring in more of the narration. It's not going to be Gene Shepard because I think he passed away years ago, um, but it looks like maybe Peter Billingsley will be the new narrator. But I was watching the trailer going, oh, my gosh, someone paid attention to the novel on a heavy on a heavy scale. That's you know? awesome. So um, and because the novel itself covers other stuff, it covers Fourth of July and everything. And we're probably not going to see that in this movie. However, um, they had some nice callbacks, like when they were at the store going to see Santa and Ralphie's like, don't let him kick you in the face. And then like <laughs> they had the I'll triple dog Daria. And there's that weird slide sequence. And that's just clearly like because someone was like, we need an action scene that's going to make him do something stupid. Um, <laughs> but um Ultimately, I just think it looks a lot of fun. So yeah, yeah. I'm down. I'm going to watch it. It's going to be great. So Yeah, absolutely. And you talking about it is kind of reminding me of something is the original Christmas story is something that like I've grown up watching over and over again, like every Christmas. And it's one of those things that no matter how amazing this new one is, it's never going to live up to that. It movie that I have that childhood attachment. So I guess that's something I need to keep in mind is don't like criticize it too much you know you got to enjoy it but just remember like nothing's going to live up to that you know sentimental piece of cinema that you grew up with you know your whole life you know so yeah the and i i'm with you and i just i'm really excited to see how this plays out i really am so Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah all right um that's kind of it for watching and reading let's talk about the news because we got some stuff cool (laughs) sweet i'm good yeah All right. Um, We'll do some quick hits. All right. Um, First off, HBO's The Last of Us reportedly premieres January 15th. So awesome. Not much longer of a wait. I can't wait. The show looks awesome. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add on it. Just, you know. No. Yeah, it looks good. Because like I said, there's some some (laughs) quick ones. Uh, The Mandalorian Season 3 is set to premiere February 22nd, uh, 2023. So we're not too much farther off from there. So we're getting The Last of Us. And then right after that, we got Mandalorian. So it's going to be a great, like, sit down and watch. It's going to be awesome. I did not watch Andor yet this week. It's been driving me nuts because apparently this (laughs) stuff happened. So um, (laughs) I am behind on Andor, but that's all right. Um, Okay, here we go. Uh, The writer for the first two venom films is going to direct venom three um interesting so i thought that was interesting um the other thing i thought was interesting is they're going to bring in the writer from the 50 shades movies to write venom three (laughs) um seems so weird but (laughs) it does seem weird but i was like well that's interesting news but sometimes and this is where i like the idea of the writer directing and even if they're not writing it um they know how to write and I kind of like the idea of the writer is king mentality where I do know if I was handed a script and I read through it and I'm like, all right, I'm going to direct. And then like you're in between shots because you're waiting for the camera guys to set up or you're doing 
pre-production prep for the sh- for the shooter and whatever, I'd probably be on the phone with the writer going, all right, look, I was reading this bit. What do you think? How are you imagining this? Because they had a vision when they wrote the characters, they had a voice for the characters. And yeah, you're bringing in actors that are going to make it their own. But I feel like the writer's got a lot of input that I think needs to be there. And a lot of times writers aren't on sets. So I think, yeah. I think that's kind of a good thing. And I think it's interesting. So, um, that's a there's a massive debate that can be had right there. And you're you're making me think of the whole like Deadpool. in comic book artists, like uh, who's more important, like the writer or the artist. I mean, realistically, everybody on the team plays their role and right. makes it come al- come to life. But there is a huge debate in what you just said. And well, that could be a bonus episode for our show it, to be. It, it could be, But to the point of that debate, Deadpool is a perfect example about where the writer is king. And Ryan Reynolds making sure those writers had an equal say in how that movie was done. So good call, good call. Yeah. The the one thing I was gonna say about Venom though is for Venom three, my only hope is that they either have the same storyboard team or the same like director of photography or something because some of those shots from the last Venom movie were just amazing. Like yeah, Venom yeah. and Carnage fighting each other in the church with like the stained glass windows behind them and stuff. Like some of that stuff was so badass. Like I want more of that, you know? Yeah. What I mean? <laughs> and, and you get this. And even the original, even with the first Venom with the Venom versus Riot fight scenes, those, yeah. it just, whoever was doing the cinematography or paying attention to how the symbiote should look and move and everything did it, it beautiful work. So absolutely. Um, all right, Marvel has a new series that is going to be uh, being going into pre-production and working on. Um, it's going to answer one of those plot holes that have been left out there lingering that we've been wondering about. And no, it's not the ice creature from Thor 2. Um, <laughs> Why? Is that, is that what you expected me to say? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> That's yes, funny. I did. Um, because uh, seriously, where is that thing and what's going on there? Uh, no, uh, it, the show will be called Vision Quest, and the series is going to continue the saga of Vision post WandaVision because we're, we have the we have the white Vision out there somewhere. That uh, is a question that needs to be answered. I will. Yes, and, and Paul Bettany will return to play the Android Avenger known as Vision, which is awesome. Um, but we want to know what the deal with the deal with the white Vision is and. Uh, that that's a plot hole I think definitely needs to be cleared up as we move forward into phase five. And um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's all I got on that one, because it's just like, great, let's do it. Um, but at the same time, we need the series that explains what happened with that ice creature from Thor 2. <laughs> I don't know if it has to be a series. I just think it would be cool, like. Like, uh, like a werewolf by night showing kind of up thing. in yeah, like like kind of like have that creature show up in an underground like boxing ring or something like that could be a cool little touch. So sure, um, but yeah, sure. All right, um, now we'll get to that one in a minute. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. The director, this is awesome. Winnie I, the Pooh, Blood and Honey director Reese. Uh, <laughs> Frake Waterfeld, it's a hyphenated name, so Reese Frake Waterfeld, confirmed he's not only working on a sequel, he is also planning on adding a horror twist to another childhood classic, Peter Pan. Yeah, I heard about this. I heard about this, <laughs> and my brain 
like the wheels, like like the script almost formed immediately about what right. happened to the Lost Boys after Peter Pan like abandoned them because he went home with Wendy and grew up and like just the idea of like the 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 Lost Boy home invasion, if you will, or like <laughs> or where, no, absolutely like, like the like the idea of what happened, like maybe they all turn into cannibals, like I don't know, like the idea was just I was like, <laughs> oh, this is crazy, the concept's crazy, the the little kids that will never grow up. Uh, Children of the Corn style Peter Pan movie would be nuts. Um, <laughs> and it seems like it can also be like a really similar plot to the Winnie the Pooh one, where it's like this like long seated like revenge plot that these characters are taken at taking after feeling abandoned. And it's kind of weird that there's another, you know, childhood story that you can kind of go the same direction with. But uh, no, this sounds really entertaining. I think there's a level of. I don't know. The Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey movie does have a strong gimmick factor because you have those Winnie the Pooh character designs. You have those weird masks the characters can wear and stuff. I don't know if that'll be how how is that going to translate when you have like just regular people in those roles. But it is uh, it is an interesting thought. And I'm really curious to see where this is going to go. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, moving on. There's apparently a dodgeball sequel, which <laughs> amazing. We need this like right now. That is apparently only waiting Ben Stiller's approval. Um, in an interview, uh, Justin Long said Vince Vaughn has been telling me that there's a he has a great idea for a dodgeball sequel that I hope <laughs> ends up happening. But I think Ben Stiller is a little trepidatious about doing a sequel to something so beloved. And what's interesting is as much as I want a dodgeball sequel, because I think it'd be amazing. That is a very profound statement that I totally respect. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> but at the same time, we just talked about like the Christmas story sequel that's coming out. Yeah. <laughs> and on a scale of beloved, I would put a Christmas story higher than dodgeball. Um, no, I just think it's, <laughs> I just think it sounds hilarious. I think they should do the sequel, but I do understand like you can't, I don't know as much as like Ghostbusters three was tied up for so long because Bill Murray just wasn't sure if he wanted to do another Ghostbusters movie. You do have to respect that. Uh, anybody who's actually keeping the original movie sacred and they don't know if they want to besmirch that legacy that they left behind, you do have to respect that. So I don't want to be too hard, but at the same time, it's like, Come on, it's another dodgeball movie. That sounds hilarious. Like, I definitely <laughs> want to see that, you know? I want to see more ESPN 8, the Ocho. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yes, dodgeball, bring it back. All right. Um, there are a lot of things moving around at Warner Brothers right now with the merger with Discovery Plus, with um, Walter Hamada walking out, and Sarnoff being fired, all this stuff going on. Uh, David Zaslav is CEO, like, making a lot of smart moves in my opinion. Um, this story, Warner Brothers CEO David Zaslav says he's interested in making more Harry Potter films. If something can be worked out with author JK Rowling, we're going to focus on a fr on franchise. We haven't had a Superman movie in 13 years. We haven't done a Harry Potter movie in 15 years. The DC movies and the Harry Potter movies provided a lot of profits for Warner Brothers. Um, so he's, you know, I don't, I don't blame him. Let's, you know, we let's double down on what we have. You know, Disney's going, hey, we got Star Wars. Let's make Star Wars movies. We got Marvel. Let's make Marvel movies. And this right. is Zaslav going, we have Harry Potter and DC. Why are we not doing stuff right? 
So I think he's got DC on a nice track. Um, the thing about Harry Potter is I've been saying this for a long, long time, even before you and I started this show. What Harry Potter needs to do is it needs to give us a reason to freak out about Harry Potter coming back. In the same sense of when, so think about, and I compare Harry Potter to Star Wars a little unfairly, but look what Star Wars did. They had three movies, and then they disappeared for a little while, and people were like, man, we're never getting more Star Wars. And then they said, hey, you're going to get more Star Wars. And the, and the world, like, cracked open with episode one. Oh, my God, I can't, can't wait, can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. And then we, and then they did it again with the sequel trilogy. Regardless of people's opinions, they did it again. And here we are 40-plus years later constantly discussing Star Wars. Harry Potter, in my opinion, could have done that in the sense that they took a break. They kind of finished the Harry Potter story and then jumped right into Fantastic Beasts when people weren't begging for more. And... I think it's an issue of understanding when to play the cards. So as long as they do it smart, and I really think his this statement has to do with him going, how do we get Ratcliffe back? You know, how do we how do we do this and get like the big three back? Because that would land like nobody's business with Harry Potter. And then if they could do that without messing it up, then I will, you know, put Harry Potter in the greatest film franchises ever to exist category. <laughs> So, right. That's, I think, just, that's just my opinion. And I don't have any ill, I don't have any ill, you know, um, thoughts against Harry Potter. I'm just saying, like, I think Harry Potter has the chance to be the next Star Wars in the level of that massive fan community. But they have to do it right. So. I think and I do feel like in the book world, Harry Potter kind of did become the next Star Wars. But and I, I do agree, agree with you, but on a book level. Yes, on a book level, but in the movies, I think that is a big issue is like they finish the Harry Potter movies. They jump right into Fantastic Beasts. I wasn't that big of a fan of the first Fantastic Beasts, and I kind of just didn't stick with it. And I feel like I've heard a lot of people say something similar. Um, I think there's probably a lot of people who would love to see the original Harry Potter characters return in some form, or they just want to go back to even just go back to Hogwarts, for example, which as far as I know, the Fantastic Beasts movies didn't do at all. So I think there is like, there is a way to bring back those classic Harry Potter elements to a new movie or a new series that's going to hype everybody up. But the thing is, there's a lot of moving parts. Like you mentioned, Daniel Radcliffe, you have a whole cast of characters you have to make sure are on board. And the last I heard, and I don't want to go into politics at all, but I heard that Daniel Radcliffe is not interested in doing anything Harry Potter as long as J.K. Rowling is involved. And that's just based on some of her political statements and stuff out there. I can leave it at that so we don't bring that <laughs> into okay. like this fun pop culture podcast. But from what like the little bit that I know behind the scenes that would be going on with this, I feel like it it might be a couple years before we actually get something new in the Harry Potter universe. And yeah. uh, in line with what you were saying, that might be a blessing in disguise. Like it might give us that wait period where when you first go to, you know, some movie and that first trailer comes out and you see, you know, Ron, Harry and Hermione together again on the big screen, that's going to be really exciting if they're able to eventually pull that off. But that's my 
very ill-informed opinion now, or my very ill-informed prediction, I should say, I think it's going to be a while till a new Harry Potter movie is close to coming out. But that's just me. So yeah, no, I got gotcha, you, and I agree. Um, all right. Um, okay. With in the realm of DC moving in the right direction, um, Henry Cavill is back as Superman, and everyone's like, "Oh, thank God! This is amazing. We're all excited, and it broke the internet and everything." Right? Okay, this is something I didn't see coming, and this kind of blows my mind in the realm of actors do different things, which is this, which comes down to their schedule. Okay. And I don't know if this has to do with the Superman announcement or not. I really don't. But Netflix's The Witcher will be running for a fourth season, but it will be doing so with a new Geralt. Um, Henry Cavill is leaving after season three, and he's going to be replaced by Liam Hemsworth. Right. So Liam Hemsworth will be the new Geralt. I have nothing against this. I don't have a. I don't necessarily think Liam Hemsworth is going to not be good, but I didn't expect to see. Henry Cavill leave The Witcher when he could still shoot a Superman movie, unless a Superman contract is going to be so big that <laughs> all he's going to be doing is Superman. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I really don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Um, I don't know what your thoughts on that are, but I thought I'm it was. A... Yeah, I don't, I'm not against it. I don't think that um, what's his name? Liam has Hemsworth. Do I have that right? Um I don't I don't think he's going to be bad in the role, but I think it's one of those things where you had Henry Cavill cast as the Witcher to begin with. And he did such a good job, like he did such a good job in that role that now that they're recasting, nobody is going to be on board with it. And that's the main issue you have to worry about. You know what I mean? I know. I know. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, I just wasn't expecting that to happen. But, you know. Liam Hemsworth is a decent actor, and uh, I'm I'm down to see how this turns out. And that's the thing, like when it comes to casting, it's we got to be careful how we respond because we've been we've been upset about casting in the past. Like and when I say we, not just you and me, but like everybody. And then as soon as we see it, the talk goes flat quick because we don't see what the casting department sees. There's a reason they choose certain actors. Heath Ledger is a perfect one. Michael Keaton's a perfect one. Um, ben Affleck, Batman, is a perfect one. Like, you guys got to relax and let it happen. Um, I don't remember a lot of complaining when they were casting stuff for the Marvel films. Um, I think maybe a little bit at the early stages of Robert Downey Jr., but again, talk goes flat as soon as you see it. You know what I mean? So, Yeah, um, it's. I think recasting is a much more difficult thing to I know. Uh, achieve, I know. though, so... I agree, but uh, Game of Thrones just proved us wrong on that one. So um, <laughs> if, if, if maybe done, they can uh, just have a time jump or something. If, if done right and handled well, you know what I mean. So yeah, um, Henry Cavill, however, um, with the announcement of James Gunn and Peter Safran um, being in charge of DC Studios now and CEOs, Henry Cavill cannot wait to have long conversations with James Gunn about DC Studios. This had me excited. Um, in an interview with IGN, Henry Cavill says that the new DC Studios head James Gunn is clearly a very, very talented man and that he cannot wait to sit down and have long conversations with him. Nice. What I love, what I love about this is they got in 
James Gunn and Peter Safran are going to be the CEO of DC Studios, and they are going to make some really good decisions. Maybe they make a bad one. Maybe they make a mistake. But at the ultimate day, they're going to try and move this in the right direction, right? Henry Cavill, let's keep our main actor happy. <laughs> we got him back. We backed a dump truck full of money up to his house. We got him back. We got to keep him happy. So if he wants to sit and talk your ear off about the plans and what you think and all that stuff for hours, yeah. you let him. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I took it, and I thought it was funny. So It's also pretty cool because uh, just knowing all the behind-the-scenes stuff I watched about Man of Steel, um, every once in a while you hear about a superhero movie where the main actors aren't really required to read source material. I feel like the uh, Michael B. Jordan Fantastic Four movie is one of the infamous ones where the studio said like, oh no, don't read any Fantastic Four comic books. But knowing just interviews I've seen with Henry Cavill, he definitely did a lot of just reading Superman comics in preparation for his role. And he's talked about like which story arcs are his favorites and stuff. I can't remember the name of it, but there's one, uh, one of the Jim Lee Superman story arcs he's like super fond of um but he uh I think that's cool because he's excited to sit down with James Gunn and probably talk about like some of these really nerdy obscure like Superman aspects that he remembers reading for that role and like you know you have no idea where they're going to go with this universe moving forward but we might be able to see some really cool stuff you know what I mean (laughs) And and with James Gunn's brain like that guy, like he's got there's something special about the way he thinks. And yeah, and I'm going to and you can say, well, yeah, he did a great job with Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm going to go. Yeah, he did. But when it comes to like specially like how this guy thinks, I'm going to point you to the Suicide Squad and say only James Gunn could pull off Starro. Just, yes. saying, you know, like that's a perfect example. Um, So we could get to see some really strange, weird stuff out of D.C., but we could also see some of the coolest stuff ever. Like, look how he handled Polka Dot Man. I mean, come on, dude. Yeah. Like, Polka Dot Man was probably one of the best parts of the Suicide Squad movie. So <laughs> I'm 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 hoping for a live action Lobo. That's what I'm hoping. I, this, you know this what? Whole thing. Am, if you're getting Henry Cavill back, you better get the main man, dude. Like, get oh, Lobo absolutely. on the screen. It'd be amazing. I don't know who you're going to get to play it because you got John Cena as Peacemaker already. The Rock is Black Adam. Like you, <laughs> you're running out of you're running out of uh, big big guy actors to play Lobo. So um, that's funny. I feel like by the end of this episode, I might think of somebody who'd be really good. But yeah, good call. <laughs> and I can't. And I was I was about to throw out Vin Diesel and say why not? But Vin Diesel's Groot, so he's probably got some crazy conflict of interest there. Right. So, well, you were naming, you were naming uh, wrestlers, so my mind goes to The Undertaker right away. But I honestly don't think he – I don't know if he has the act, acting chops to uh, pull that off. So. Right, yeah. All right, I got two science stories for you real quick. First off, NASA approves a mission to explore the core of an ancient asteroid. Uh, this, is, this just sounds awesome because the movie um, Armageddon comes to mind real quick. NASA has greenlit a mission to explore the heavy metal asteroid Psyche which could be the remains of an ancient primordial planet, the outer layers of which were blasted off during a series of collision with other young planetoids. Um, This just sounds cool. It sounds like Armageddon. I just wanted to bring it up because the idea that we're actually going to go back and do some real space exploring just has me excited (laughs) because I feel like NASA's like, hey, we're going to stop going to the moon, you know. Um, yes, uh, my mind actually goes more to a dreadful, uh, 
assumption with this where I feel like they're going to go on this asteroid that could have once been inhabited inhabited by alien, uh, you know, organisms or something. And they're going to awaken something that shouldn't have been messed with, you know, <laughs> like some giant beast is like frozen under the surface of this asteroid or who knows sure. what's going to come out of this. So uh, that's just where my mind went right away, but really cool stuff. We yeah. never know what's going to be discovered from that. So that is, uh, that's super interesting to be honest. Well, in the realm of discovery, um, we have, uh, there's an article that released from one of the, uh, universities in California about how the future of human evolution is going to like lead to several deformities due to our use of technology. Um, which I've seen articles about how, you know, you're always looking down at your phone. So ultimately what we're doing is we're very slowly like shifting our necks are like taking a new shape because we're always looking down at our phones. Um, but they're saying that, um, Hunched back, clawed hands, and second eyelids could be common features of human anatomy in the future. A recent computer model reveals the shockingly hopeful tongue-in-cheek uh, report warns that overusing technology could somehow steer human evolution in a direction that leaves people looking deformed compared to what we consider normal today. Uh, there's no question uh, technology <laughs> now plays a constant role in the lives of many people, but what is all that screen time really doing to the human body? Um they have a picture, like a 3D rendered model of like how this stuff could affect, but like the idea of how we hold video game controllers on our phones, like the clawed hands, I was like, that's kind of interesting. The hunched back with you, you're always looking down at the phone, so it's like pulling on the muscles of your back a little bit. But the one I thought was kind of interesting was the fact that we're always looking at the little blue screens on our faces and having that second eyelid to protect the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, stuff of horror films, but I thought it was interesting. And then I also thought it might be a good way to say, hey, why don't you put some earbuds in your ear and listen to some people talk like the top five report um, as opposed to looking at your phone. <laughs> so, yeah, it is. It is one of those things. I'm one of those people who actually feels like in the future it's going to be more more so just people merged with technology, um, maybe similar to like um, an Alita battle angel like level thing. Like there's sure. going to be a lot more cyborgs walking around and there's going to be, you know, everybody's going to have their Neuralink in their head and stuff like that. And, uh, that's kind of the way I think of it, but, um, no, it's true. Like I walk around the, I, I work all day. I listen to podcasts all day or music. I always got my phone in my hand. Like, it's almost like I'm already, and I feel sad saying this, but in a lot of ways, I feel like I already am one with technology. <laughs> so it's yeah. kind of scary when you look at, uh, your daily habits and then think of the implications that has on the future. So another thing that there's a huge discussion <laughs> that we could really go into <laughs> about all this. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what I like to do is bring the huge discussions to the table. Absolutely. Um, speaking of big discussions, you want to talk about tonight's list? Yeah. Yeah. For all sure. right. Cool. It is list time. So let's roll the thing. Now for the top five. Okay, Peter, this was your list. Um, so why don't you explain to the audience how difficult it was for you as it was for me? Um, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. It was a difficult list. Um, last week we did our top five scariest moments across all of media because that was our Halloween episode. And I just thought this would be a fun 
palate cleanser because last week our episode definitely was really dark. We talked a lot about a lot of like demonic, dismal moments from movies, and I thought it'd be fun to lighten the mood, so to speak. So uh, I thought let's talk about the the parts in you know various pieces of media that make us laugh the most. So that's kind of what this is. Um, I did do my my list definitely includes all sorts of media. I didn't limit it to uh, just movies. Um, we actually didn't have that discussion off air. So I don't know if you approach this in the same way, Drew. But uh, yeah, that's I, that's how I went with it. So just to give you an idea, I stuck to movies. Um, okay. Because I was having I had a really, really difficult time with this. Um, scary moments are in, you know, scary moments from last week are, in my opinion, were easy to do because I could look back at, Hey, I remember this movie. It's awesome. But this one part really got me, um, or this whole movie got me or whatever. And like, I had nightmares, whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah. This, the reason I found this difficult is how do you define comedy? Are we talking one liners? Are we talking? long form jokes are we talking the story that has the payoff in the end where it's it, <laughs> the joke isn't till the end but like you're building to it is it slapstick comedy um is it really dark sense of humor type stuff that makes you think there's a there's so many facets to this and where i had trouble was i have a very dark sense of humor okay I have nice. a sense of humor that borders on moral flexibility, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I like things that I like jokes that make me think. I like humor that makes me think. But I love slapstick comedy at the same time. So I looked at this as I'm staring at like my movie collection, just scrolling through comedy after comedy. I'm looking at the TV shows that like I watch comedy after comedy. I'm like, trying to find the funniest moments. And I'm finding that a lot of mine are physical comedy gags yeah. that had me really <laughs> laughing. Like, I laugh out loud at a one-liner, and I laugh out loud at a reaction with a one-liner that follows it. Or like when you're watching Friends and you have a couple lines that work so well together and you laugh out loud, it's one thing to laugh out loud. But when you are laughing out loud, like crying laughing because something's funny, the majority of mine are um, physical comedy gags. Which I thought yeah. was which I thought was interesting based on the normal sense of humor that I like. So um, I found this incredibly difficult. So there um, I have zero honorable mentions because of how difficult <laughs> I found this to be. And one of my picks is kind of a cheat. And I'll explain why. But I don't know what you're at with that. So I, I have two honorable mentions. Um, I think what you were talking about before, how do you define comedy? I think the answer is in the question itself. Like, how do you find, how do you define comedy? That's how you define comedy. Like yeah. comedy is sub subjective. And uh, I like, I like jokes that make you think a lot too, but I did notice that a lot of my picks were very slapstick and stuff like that. And the older I get um, when I watch like a comedy show or movie, one thing that I've become really self-aware of that I kind of regret in certain ways is like, I'm always like whenever a joke's presented to me, I'm always thinking like, well, I can see that you're trying really hard to make me laugh. So I'm just not going to laugh at that. Well, <laughs> and so only... I think I'll oh, keep going. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I, th I think a lot of my jokes were or all a lot of my picks are just things that legitimately caught me off guard, that it took me out of that sense of like 
seeing behind what the writer's doing, how they're playing things up and stuff. Just something that caught me off guard that I thought was really hilarious, which unfortunately is a lot of uh, slapstick stuff. But uh, yeah, what were you going to say? Well, what I was going to say about that is the not laughing at stuff. There's Lauren Michaels from Saturday Night Live. He is famously known for not laughing. But he puts together this great funny show and he puts together this cast. Right. And the cast is always talking about how when they go on an audition, Lauren doesn't laugh. And yeah. it's because Lauren is studying because it's like he knows what's funny and he knows what he finds funny, but he's studying to make sure you're firing on all the cylinders you need to. Right. Yeah. When I watch a comedy, even though the even though it might be one of the funniest movies I've ever seen, there are lots of the movie that I probably won't laugh out loud at because I'm studying <laughs> Um, and I always, and I love, and one of the things I love about like rewatching stuff. So friends, for example, you watch, you rewatch the show on HBO max or you rewatch your DVDs that you purchased a long time ago, or you're catching it on TBS reruns, you know, friends so well that a lot of times your brain is a little ahead of the, the gag that's happening. And you're watching facial expressions. You're watching physical movements of the actors. You're watching the line delivery, the way it's, you know, intended. Those actors were really calculated. My point to that is that he's studying and I'm studying when I'm watching. So I'm not laughing the way I, you know, it's like, you know, someone will be like watching a movie with me. Like, you're not laughing. Don't you find it funny? I'm like, I do. I think this is hilarious. You know, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's a lot funnier after. But then there's some stuff that we're going to talk about tonight that I couldn't stop laughing at because of the situation surrounding it. So we'll see. Um Absolutely. Let's jump right in. What are your two honorable mentions? Yeah. So um, my first one, uh, I can keep it pretty short because I feel like it is. But this is uh, from the Scott Pilgrim comic book series. Um, okay. And it's just this moment that I I got such a kick out of it when I first read it. And I think about it all the time. I still get a kick out of it. And that is there's a part where um, Scott is like caught in a predicament and he needs to come up with a, an idea to get out of the predicament he's in. And there's this page where it zooms in on Scott's head and then zooms in on the brain inside of his head. And then you see that inside of his brain, he has an egg and the egg hatches and there's a chicken in it. And when the chicken hatches out of the egg that's when he gets the idea <laughs> that he was trying to think of and it's like that sounds silly but scott pilgrim is a very cartoony um entity and that always cracked me up because one like the imagery is so ridiculous like scott pilgrim needs to think of an idea a chicken hatches out of an egg inside of his head but also that sequence took an entire page like an entire comic book page on out of, on this in this graphic novel sure. was taken up by a chicken hatching inside of Scott Pilgrim's head, and just the idea of that is so ridiculous on that meta breaking the fourth wall level. Like I always love that, and I always like I want to make a comic book with a page as ridiculous and as useless but as hilarious as that is like waste a full page on this one visual gag just because why not? You know what I mean? So that's my first one. Um, my second one is super vague, and I can just uh, keep this one short, too. But uh, I went with uh, so this one's just kind of all encompassing. But I went with the show The Office, and it's really just any scene where Michael Scott does anything, <laughs> just like any of his moments any any of his like 
one-on-one camera confessional moments, any of his like monologues or dialogues with different characters of the show. I just think Michael Scott is like one of the most hilarious characters ever created. And uh, I couldn't specify a certain one. Just like, I think that character tickles my funny bone, unlike a lot of other fictional characters I've encountered. So he had to make my list. So yeah. Sure. All right. Um, so my first actual pick, right? Yes. Which I'm going to make a cheat. Um, and the reason it's a cheat is because I have to claim the whole movie. Um, and that's the movie Tommy Boy. Um, the, oh, reason, awesome. <laughs> the reason this exists, and I couldn't narrow it down to one one specific moment. But when I was decide- when I was trying to figure out the idea of what defines comedy and you think about all the different stuff, the one liners, the long form jokes, the slapstick humor um whether the the innuendo humor the uh dark twisted like <laughs> the dark and yeah. humor this is a movie that has literally from the beginning of the movie all the way to the end all that and right <laughs> i there are so many scenes that i laugh out loud at repeat viewings there are so many things that i laugh out loud at um never to the point of like crying but sometimes it's the it's the um it's the inside joke with the friends who've seen the movie um, and maybe it's not an inside joke with friends so much as as long as another person in the room seen the movie, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. Tommy boy makes my list just because, and it's, like I said, it's a cheat because I couldn't narrow down one specific moment in the film. All the rest of mine are one specific moment, but, uh, <laughs> nice. yeah, Tommy boy, this, this is a movie that I thought about, but, uh, like you, I couldn't specify a certain moment. It's kind of just the whole movie. And, uh, my short list was kind of crazy because there's a lot of movies like that. Like Airplane is another one that was on my short list where it's like, no, I just love the whole movie. Like I can't even specify a specific moment because I just think it's all hilarious and awesome. And that's the reason why Tommy Boy didn't make my list. But uh, yeah, good call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I hope that's OK that I chose a full movie. But hey, that's unfortunately <laughs> how I had to go. Um, what is your first pick on it? Okay, so my first pick, um, I went with the movie I Love You, Man. And this one's a little bit of a cheat, too, because it's a little bit all-encompassing. But it's really just all of Paul Rudd's awkward moments and mannerisms and bits of dialogue when he's, like, trying to, uh, you know, be cool and, like, become friends with Jason Segel's character. Like, just yeah. all those moments are so funny. And this is a movie that, like, my wife and I rewatch this all the time because we just think all of his, like, stupid, like, he's trying to talk cool, but he just comes off really awkward and weird. Like, I just love that stuff. Like, uh, some of my favorite lines is like when he's talking to uh, Jason Siegel on the phone and he's trying to say, see you later. But for some reason, he's like, latest on the men, Jay. <laughs> it's like, what does that even mean? Right. And then uh, it's like over trying and Jason Siegel's like, I don't. All right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or the other time where it might be the same phone call where he's like, uh, I will see you there or I will see you on another time. <laughs> he's like, wait, that was really vague. I, I couldn't tell if you were actually coming out or not. <laughs> like that sort of stuff. Like that movie's just golden just from uh, that character right. alone. So. I love the I love the slap in the bass scene. Absolutely. I to show R- uh, Rashida Jones like and she's like, I don't know Rush. And he's like, you don't know Rush. And he's like <laughs> <laughs> that we uh, that was on that was on. Uh, my son was really young at the time and he was just kind of learning some like little bits and like stuff. And I had that on and I was giggling and he's like, what's so funny, dad? And I was showing him and. <laughs> Him and I are walking around the house for like an entire weekend, just going slapping the bass. 
<laughs> and we got yelled at a lot. Like, what are you guys laughing at? Why is this funny? Like, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, good stuff. All right. Uh, so my number four is the movie White Chicks. Um, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and I know you're laughing at it, and I don't know if you know which scene I'm talking about. No, it's a funny movie. It's just I didn't expect this to come it's, up. It's a funny movie. It's a movie that in today's day and age is incredibly racist and would never get made. <laughs> um, if you've never seen this movie, it's basically about two black police officers who have to go undercover as white rich girls. So they yep. have to put on like makeup and prosthetics and stuff to look like white rich girls. And in the movie, <laughs> it's like, imagine Mrs. Doubtfire, but way more racist. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Anyways, keep going. <laughs> and the um, there's no way this movie would get made today, but they they get off the airplane. They haven't seen their college friends in so long. And they basically are able to fool their college friends into thinking they are the rich white girls. Right. And. <laughs> The um, because they're they're playing specific rich white girls. Right. Yeah. So they fooled their college friends and they're all like, sweet, let's get in the car. And they're driving and they're like, hey, we oh, our jams on. And they turn up the radio and it's Vanessa Carlton's yeah. uh, A Thousand Miles. And great song, by the way, that that's one that like gets me every time. And like, I mean, it gets everybody every time. Let's be honest. <laughs> anyway. Um, so they play it and they're like, I don't know what this is. And the girls are like a little suspicious because they don't know the lyrics. They don't know like their little like inside joke dance moves. Well, later, one of the guys dressed as the uh, undercover as the girls has to go on a date with Terry Crews. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and to try and avoid Terry Crews's sexual advancements. He's like, well, we got to listen to some music and tries to deter him by playing Vanessa Carlton a thousand miles. And Terry Crews is like, I love this song. And he's like dancing and singing. <laughs> yeah. uh, this scene, I was watching with a buddy of mine. We had never seen the movie before. Him and I were watching it. We were laughing, like crying, laughing at Terry Crews dancing to Vanessa Carlton's Thousand Miles. We probably rewound it like six times yes. just to watch Terry <laughs> Crews dance at this <laughs> It is literally the funniest part of the whole movie, in my opinion. So, yeah, White Chicks, that specific scene. So That's awesome. So, yes, hilarious movie, hilarious scene. I'm glad that you mentioned the whole, like, rewinding to replay the scene because that's actually something I really kept in mind with my list is like what are the parts of the movie of different movies that I've rewound <laughs> just to rewatch so that's awesome um and then also like just related because I actually didn't re I remembered this after we talked about it from before but uh me and some uh buddies from work were talking about talking about it once and we decided I think we kind of came to the conclusion that I think Terry Crews could play a pretty good live action Lobo if they ever wanted to do that. So, just throwing that yeah, out the there. big guy that I didn't throw out there. Yeah, he was an awesome Lobo. Let's but thinking it. about like his his voice and like his uh, comedy, like playing yeah. Logo, he's not the first person you'd expect, but I think he'd do an awesome job. So yeah. look, if you're getting Henry Cavill back, then let's do Lobo. Let's get it done. All right, that's a whole yeah. show. We don't stop right now. Anyway, what's your next? <laughs> what's your next pick of the night? Yeah, so my next pick is probably the only moment that I've actually mentioned on the show before, but I actually went with the movie Beer Fest, and right. specifically the part after the character Landfill dies and his funeral happens, and at his funeral, in walks his 
his long lost twin brother that none of the other characters knew about who just fills landfills spot for the tournament. And it's one of those things where it's like such a convenient plot device, but it's so hilarious. Cause it's just like one, it's like, that would never happen Two, like, that's just hilarious and awesome. Three, it kind of pokes fun and criticism at other movies that use really similar convenient plot devices. But I just always loved that. Like, Landfill's dead. What are we going to do? Who's going to fill on, in on, his, on our team? Oh, this other long-lost twin played by the same actor who's essentially the exact same character can just <laughs> join our team instead. And then just some of the dialogues and, like, uh, and bits that happen after that, like his wife's reaction landfill's wife's reaction to it i'll leave it at that because that could get very inappropriate for the the podcast but just hilarious hilarious stuff so yeah i forgot about that that's that's a great (laughs) um all right so my next one is the movie the whole nine yards okay um this movie it's essentially matthew perry is a He's a dentist who lives up in Canada and then Bruce Willis moves in next door and he finds out Bruce Willis is a hitman mafia and he freaks out and whatnot. They form this friendship. Bruce Willis finds out there's people trying to come and kill him and Matthew Perry gets wrapped up in the in the nonsense. Right. There's a scene in this movie where Matt uh, Bruce Willis and Amanda Pete are having a con conversation at the like the dining room table about concept execution stuff while they're cleaning guns. And Matthew Perry is like having the hardest time dealing with the conversation because he's not a violent individual. He's a dentist and is like kind of wrapped up in this world of violence. And he is like, oh, crap, I got to run to the other house. I'll be right back. So he goes to run next door. He leaves out the sliding dining room, the, the back door, the sliding door. And goes running across through their house. And they cut back. You see Bruce Willis and Amanda Pete talking. You cut back to Matthew Perry in the house, whatever. And now he's got to run back to Bruce Willis to where he is. You see it coming a mile away. You know it's going to happen. But Matthew Perry is in such a state of panic that he runs right into the closed sliding door. It's in the trailer, which kind of spoils it. But then it's in the movie. And... I can't not laugh every single time. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I know it's coming. I see it coming. I shouldn't laugh at it at this point, but every time, maybe it's the way he reacts when he hits the door. Maybe it's how Bruce Willis and them react. Maybe it's just the idea of running into a glass door, but it's like, yeah. the, it is like the best run into a glass door scene ever. Um, I don't know what your thought on this is. No, but I, I laugh at this every single time. No, this is a great moment. This is something I forgot about, but uh, I'm kind of wondering, like, I don't know this, but I wonder if you actually looked at behind the scenes stuff. And I don't even know if this would be in any kind of recorded record at all, but I'm willing to bet that Matthew Perry legitimately just ran full fledged into the door. Like, I'm willing to bet like that was not faked at all. Like he legitimately just went for it just because that's what would make it good on screen. And obviously, I mean, assuming that's the case, it paid off because it is such a hilarious visual. (laughs) So good. Yeah. He may have, which would be awesome. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. He may have. Um, What's your next one for the night? Yeah. So my next one, Okay, so picture this. You're in a crowded, you're in a crowded school um, gym. 
and it's during an assembly and the principal is on stage and he's giving some announcements and stuff. And then he calls the student body class president up to the podium to say some things. And when she walks up there before she's able to talk, a nerdy kid from out of out in the crowd yells at her. Hey, Stacy, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, baby. Because <laughs> that's my next pick is that moment, that exact moment from a goofy movie. And I don't know why. Well, first of all, it's just a hilarious like visual, a hilarious soundbite. It's just a funny part of the movie. But there was a moment when I was watching this with uh, our younger brother, Sean, who's been on the podcast a few times. And this is one of those scenes. It's that short bit. But for whatever reason, we were just like really slap happy at the time and stuff. And this is back when we were like, you know, middle school, maybe like grade school age. But we watched that part probably 10 times, just rewinding it and watching it again, because we just thought it was so funny. But uh, that whole like, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, baby. uh, That whole like, soundbite is really funny to work into conversations with people and stuff too because there's always like if people don't know it they just think it's amusing or ridiculous but if they do do know it they just think it's awesome and hilarious so uh yeah just a classic moment i don't know if you have any comments on this one drew Um, that's my next pick (laughs) yeah i as soon as you started talking i'm like this is such a great pull from that movie yeah Uh, there's a lot from the goofy movie um, I'm not sure how I write this in. Um, <laughs> I figure out because um, you could be like, I don't know, talk to me, baby, goofy movie, or hey, Stacy, yeah. talk to me, baby. Or it's something. like when I do the spreadsheet, it's like how. Do, sometimes when we do these, I'm like, how do I write that down? Sometimes it's just the name of a movie. This one's a little different. <laughs> um, when this, there are so many parts of this movie that are laugh out loud. Um, <laughs> but yeah that's such a great moment and yeah that one gets me every time too so i hear you um all right number two my second to last one all right we talked about dodgeball earlier this next one is a scene from dodgeball um there's oh, a, awesome there's a lot in this movie that makes me laugh out loud a lot um this this is great one-liners there's dark humor there's intellectual humor there's physical comedy but there's one that just kills me every time. And this is, it's a physical gag. It's the, if you can't dodge a wrench, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball scene. Okay. And he dumps the wrenches out on the table and they're just like, shouldn't we be dodging balls? He's like, yeah, that's what the sack of wrenches is for. <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> He's like, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. And they're like, what? And he chucks the wrench and hits Justin Long in the face. <laughs> Now, it's, you're just like, and the shock is like, ooh, and you giggle a little bit, and Justin Long goes down, and then nobody helps him, but the, the scene continues, but Justin Long is laying there on the floor in agony, screaming in pain. <laughs> That's what I laugh at every single time. He's just like, oh my god, it hurts so bad. <laughs> I just, it's so funny. He's just laying there screaming. Um, he takes a lot of hits in that movie, but that specific bit where he just like whips him, hits him in the face, he goes down, no one helps him, and he's just like in pain. That's awesome. <laughs> That's a great moment, but uh, you talking about it now, it's got me thinking that like, 
I feel like there might really be some merit to the whole, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball thing because <laughs> wrenches, <laughs> wrenches hurt. So if somebody's throwing wrenches at you, you're going to make damn well sure those aren't going to hit you. And then when it comes to throwing balls, you've already got it down. Like you're an expert dodger once you get to that level. So Right, right. And wrenches are a little bit more ball size as opposed to a car. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> If you can dodge a car, <laughs> you can dodge traffic, and you can dodge a ball. Um, anyway, all right, dude, what is your next one for the night? Yeah, so this one I can keep pretty short, but this is another one where um, me and my younger brother and another one of our friends were um, kind of hanging out in uh, another friend's basement, and we were watching The Water Boy. And uh, this is another one of those moments that we just had to keep rewinding and watching again because we thought it was so funny and this is definitely another moment it's stupid it's slapstick but it caught me off guard and it makes me laugh every time and it's this part where you have uh, Adam Sandler you know you have Bobby Boucher and he's in the coaches the coach of the football team he's in his office and he's talking to the coach and I think he was talking about how he's upset that his mom wouldn't let him play football right Right. And Bobby Boucher gets so upset, he gets so worked up, and he grabs a baseball off of the coach's desk, and while, like, screaming about his mom, he chucks the baseball, and it breaks the window <laughs> in, in his office and flies out the window. So then the scene cuts to one of the teachers from the movie, who's this old guy who looks exactly like Colonel Sanders from KFC, and it, the you like after Bobby Boucher throws the ball, it just cuts to that guy walking outside, getting hit by the ball in the side of the head. And then he just makes the sound like, and he falls over. (laughs) And it's so random. It's so dumb. It's something that was straight out of like the naked gun movies. Like you've seen it a million times, but they just pulled that scene off so well. And I just remember watching that with my friends as a kid and rewinding it over and over again, because it was just so ridiculous and so good. So uh, that's my next pick. So excellent. Yeah, I actually, until you started talking, I completely forgot about that specific baseball. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's that's awesome. Um, all right. So my next one is a movie that I don't know if it needs a lot of introduction and you're going to be wondering which scene as soon as I say the title. And that's Home Alone. Um, before I go into this, I was actually like really like while we were talking, I'm like, what is going to be my final pick of the night? What's going to be what am I saving for the end? And I was literally like, no, it's Home Alone, because this just kills me every time. There is so many good bits in Home Alone, the original. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's good stuff in the second one. but So many good bits. There's so many things to laugh at. There's so many physical gags. And, like, the more painful it is, the sometimes the funnier it is. This specific sequence is the scene where the the, the robbers um, almost have Kevin. He's about to run up the stairs. Daniel Stern's got his hand on his pant leg, and Kevin reaches down and grabs the spider. Yeah. Okay. And he goes and he sets it down on Daniel Stern's face, and the blood curdling scream <laughs> that he admits—it's <laughs> the scream that I can't not laugh at every time. It is incredibly exaggerated. It is incredibly unrealistic, but it is so like perfect. If someone's gonna put a spider on your face, yeah. Um. And I'm laughing at it now, just thinking about it. And I was I was giggling about it when I wrote it down on my list. So, yeah. So no, it's blown the spider. It's so 
good. And it's not just his scream, it's his repeated screams and his all just like mannerisms and how he wriggles around as he's, as he's freaking out. That is one of the funniest parts of the movie. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think of it right away when you said home alone, but uh, no, that is such a hilarious part of the movie. <laughs> Right. And now you're going to watch it this Christmas and you're going to be like, OK, here's that scene Drew was talking about it. And you're going to laugh at it, too. And you're going to go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so good. Um, all right, man. Final pick of the night. This was your list. What do you got? Yeah. So it's kind of funny because as we were talking, I was thinking of other movies that should have made my list. But no, this is my final list. And I think it's that way for a reason. So my last pick um, is a little bit vague, but not quite. But I went with um a character from Metalocalypse, um, the character Dr. Roxo. And if you don't know Dr. Roxo, well, he's the, the, <laughs> he's the rock and roll clown who likes to do cocaine. <laughs> so <laughs> Metalocalypse, we all know and love it as the ridiculous adult swim cartoon, but it's about a uh, death metal band and they're just various ridiculous, often fantastical exploits. And you have, Dr. Roxo, who's kind of this adjacent character, who's kind of this more like hair metal, glam metal sort of ridiculous caricature of that. Like he's a character who represents like all the ridiculousness of like the 80s glam metal stuff. But he dresses as a clown and he has a lot of ridiculous songs and a lot of jokes about doing drugs and stuff. But every time Dr. Roxo is on screen, I cannot help but crack up. A lot of it might have to do with his voice. A lot of it's just like some of the stuff he says, but he's just such a ridiculous, funny character. If I had to pick pick a specific moment, it would actually be there's one episode that's uh, William Murderface, who's the uh, bass player in uh, Death Death Clock, who's the uh, the main band from the show. William Murderface's birthday, when the band throws this bass player a huge birthday party, they invite Dr. Roxo <laughs> to be like one of the performers for the birthday. And uh, Dr. Roxo gets on stage and he's just being his ridiculous, obnoxious self. But there's one point, you know, since he's a clown, he goes up to William Murderface and he's going to make him a balloon animal because it's his birthday. And uh, Dr. Roxo proceeds to make a, uh, a balloon animal bass guitar. And then he mentions that he has to tune the guitar. And so he starts twisting like these little balloon uh, circle like tuners at the top of uh the guitar neck and uh one of them pops and dr Roxo just does this like oh no you popped a string thing and then william Murderface gets pissed off <laughs> grabs, the, grabs the balloon animal and starts shoving it down dr Roxo's throat as he like walks him off screen and it's one of those talking about this i realize it's probably one of those like you have to watch it but it is seriously one of the funniest right. things ever so that's my last pick is just Dr. Roxo, but specifically the William Murderface birthday episode from Metalocalypse. So, well, I'm glad yeah. you mentioned the sorry, you have to watch it to find it as funny as I do thing because I'm like, I have never watched the show. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, well, I've I, seen a little bit, but I don't know Dr. Roxo. So I yeah. was like, all right, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally like describing it. I realized like I am not doing this justice at all and I really couldn't. Um, but it, he's just the funniest character in that show. So, and then kind of a side note, I can't do it anymore. I probably could if I practiced, but there was a time where I could do a spot on perfect Dr. Roxo impression. And, uh, me and my, me and one of my friends would, uh, drive around our hometown and I would yell out Dr. Roxo. 
hands <laughs> out the out the car window. And uh, that was always uh, that was a pretty fun time in my early 20s. So uh, there's that. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, um, that brings us to the end of this list. So do you want to talk about next week? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we haven't done an actor in a really, really long time. And I've actually been holding this one in my back pocket for a while as we were like, because I thought of it. And then I'm like, well, shoot, it's Peter's pick. And then, you know, you run into Halloween and all that stuff. I'm like, all right, we'll space this out. Here we go. So we're going to talk about Steve Buscemi movies next week. Oh, crazy. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, I was I I always look for who's got a really good uh, l- credit list that would be good to dig in. So that's we're going to talk about Steve Buscemi movies next week. Um, I think there's a lot of really good ones. He's in various from comedy to serious drama, to, like, action movies. So it's, like, it's the range. So I think it makes yeah. a conversation. <laughs> you have that, like, Big Daddy to, like, Reservoir Dogs range to play with. So right. this will be to, a really to, fun one. To right. To con, to con Air, to The Waterboy, to... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's to Fargo. It's all over the place. To, uh, you know, um, Big Lebowski. You know, it's it's going to be all over. So um, awesome. I, think it'll be, I think it'll be a fun one to talk to. Um, so are you ready to toss this one in the can? That's kind of the end of the night for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone, do us all a favor. Check out our uh, website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along to the link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. Uh, you can hit us up there. Social media either way works. Um, we are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. Um, you can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We understand. We love five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, uh, we just talked about our funniest moments in all of media. So now you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre for all the least funny moments in all of media. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> Um, well, for the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And, uh, that's it for the night. Thanks for listening. Have a good night.